Welcome to the Prosperous and Happy Life podcast. I'm Mary Hagerman, investment advisor, financial planner, and portfolio manager with Raymond James in Montreal. In this podcast, I'm delighted to share tips and experiences from my quest to help my clients be prosperous and happy. For over 30 years, I've worked with thousands of clients and countless experts, all looking to have a rich and fulfilling life. My interests go far beyond the realm of money, and you'll get a taste of that here. In my interviews, I share stories and wisdom, along with advice from the many experts I've encountered. You can put all of this to good use in your life or your work or both. I hope you'll join me each month for a new episode, either on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. Please subscribe, like, and share with friends. I'm fortunate to have some really good people to help me do my job. If you listen to podcast number two, entitled, Where Are We Now?, you heard from Nadim Kassam. He's Chief Investment Officer with Raymond James Canada, and he's part of my investment committee. And of course, then there was Sami Natu, our financial planner. He was on our first podcast on rising interest rates and helped explain how that affects your financial plan. So today in this episode, you'll meet my podcast producer and top-notch assistant, Nicholas Saranchek. So he's going to help me talk about surviving a bear market. Hey, Nick, I'm so glad that you were able to join me this time behind the mic. Thanks, Mary. It's great to be here to uh, share my thoughts with you today. Yeah, and since you and I started this podcast series together, we've talked like almost every day about the markets, and it was your great idea to suggest that we talk together about how to survive a bear market. Yeah, exactly, because we always have these conversations when we're looking over the portfolios together, and we always say that these are difficult times for investors, and you have some great tips and stories in your book, The Black Belt Investor, that I felt we could probably put together to kind of give a guide and some tips for investors on how they could survive and get through this bear market. Yeah, so let's do it. It's a great idea. Where do you think we should start? Well, how about talking about uh, your experience? Because like you've said uh, countless times, you've been managing money for 30 years now. So you've seen plenty of cycles of bear markets and uh, bull markets. So in your opinion, from everything that you've seen, what was the worst bear market for you? Oh, my goodness. You know, there have been a lot over the past uh, 30 years, almost too many to count because bear markets are part of a normal market cycle, a normal economic cycle. Um, maybe I should start by defining a bear market. So we we say that we're in bear market territory when the American market, which is in the market, if you like, the S&P 500, dips below 20%. And certainly there were two times that really stand out for me, the 2008-2009 crisis, which is sometimes referred to as the Great Recession. And then there was the tech bubble that burst back in 2000. That too was really tough period. And it's a pretty appropriate that you brought up the technology crisis in 2000, because it makes me think back to a story that I enjoyed in your book 
about uh, Gilbert from that part. So maybe you can share that uh, with all our listeners today. I Yeah, I love the story about Gilbert. And I'll start off by saying that uh, when I wrote my book, it was over five years now, um, the stories were inspired by real life situations. But I modified each story and I changed their names, obviously, of people um, to make it anonymous. So the story about Gilbert goes like this. Gilbert's story is a familiar one. He was a young, aggressive investor during the technology boom of the 1990s. An engineer by trade, he felt informed and savvy when it came to picking tech stocks. He took a long-term approach and, using his savings, he loaded up on the stocks he felt were going to be worth a lot of money down the road. His hunches proved accurate, and his portfolio reached double-digit returns heading into the year 2000. One stock in particular proved to be a real winner, and Gilbert kept increasing his position as as the stock climbed. When his advisor suggested he sell some stocks in order to take profits, he ignored the advice and continued to double up on his positions. Then the dot caught The dot-com bubble burst in 2000, and as the tech sector went from boom to bust, his retirement portfolio evaporated. It took years for Gilbert to rebuild his retirement nest egg. And that, unfortunately, is a very true story that happened to quite a lot of investors, certainly here in Canada and in Quebec especially, we can think of the stock Nortel that uh, went from, you know, from from huge multiples down to being pretty much worthless after the tech bubble burst. That was a difficult uh, situation, I can imagine that uh, he was in, and I'm sure that you've seen a whole bunch of those situations in the past. So with your experience with that, what was your biggest lesson that you learned from the technological crisis? Well, we say this time and time again in the investment industry, but investing in emotions just do not go together. And as Warren Buffett, possibly one of the greatest, if not the greatest investor who's ever lived, he's quoted as saying, you must buy when there's fear and sell when there's greed. He's also put differently said that, you know, greed and fear are the investor's worst enemies. So it's it's very common to see people get excited and uh, want to keep buying as the market goes up and up and up, and they become reluctant to sell and think the market will go up forever. And of course, when it comes down, as it always will at some point, then investors panic and want to sell, and they're selling at absolutely the worst time. So there's no question that one of the keys to surviving a bear market is to get your your emotions under control. That's definitely good advice. And it's advice that I'm taking from you too, when we're looking over portfolios, and also because I am an investor too. And given the fact that this is the first volatile market I'm really uh, working with as well, Um, How would you say that what we're dealing with now is different from the Great Recession of 2008 to 2009? Well, I've often said since 2008, 2009, that it was the worst 
uh, bear market in my career. And I still, uh, even with what's going on today in the pandemic, uh, the Great Recession still stands out as the worst uh, bear market of my career, of most investors' career at this point, and money managers. And um, I wanted to read something from my book on what it was like to be managing money through that period, um, because it was such a, a, a crucial period for me. So I say that back during the financial crisis of 2008, like everyone else in my field, it was the most challenging time of my career. The bottom seemed to drop out of the stock market as it fell lower and lower each day. Disbelief over the magnitude of the situation was widespread. Credit evaporated. Nobody wanted to lend any money to anybody. And most importantly, nobody seemed to know how this would turn out. The media warned that the entire global banking network was in peril. Many clients naturally were in a state of panic. For some clients, we, the advisors, have become the bad guys. Wasn't it our job to foresee these things? If I allowed stress, fear, and other emotions to get the better, better of my judgment, it would be difficult to help my clients keep their focus and prevent them from acting rashly. That actually, and I'm no longer reading from the book, but I do go on to explain this. It was so stressful for everyone that that was when I began practicing meditation on a regular basis so that I could calm my nerves, sleep at night, and help control my emotions too. Definitely. And uh, as hectic as the market is looking now, from everything you described back then, it sounded like it was pretty bad because I know we weren't working together at the time. Just to give you an idea that I had just gotten out of university around the time when the Great Recession began. So I wasn't really thinking about investing or building up my accounts. I was just thinking I needed to get some experience on my CV, look for a job and get some stability. So you're giving me quite a bit of perspective about what it was like back then. And given all of that, how did you get your clients to stick it out and stay invested during these trying times? Well, I will say, Nick, that that was a great time to not have any money because if you didn't have any money, you weren't investing. Um, so many people at that time swore that uh, because their investments fell, I mean, the markets fell over 40% during 2008, 2009. It was a steady decline for like 14 months. It was really brutal. And I heard many people say that they would never, ever invest in stocks again. So my job was to help clients stay focused, stay focused on a long-term plan. And even if um, a client didn't have a full-blown financial plan or a state plan, you know, we'd talk about the budget and about the importance of having short-term liquidities or money that was available to be able to wait out the storm. So staying focused on the long-term plan was important. I did a lot of teaching through seminars, one-on-ones uh, with clients, and explained statistics that exist that show that um, you have to stay invested so that you don't miss out on the good days. Because sure, there's bad days, the market goes down. 
But if you miss the good days, uh, which can be like we're seeing now, the market can go up 4 or 5% in a day, uh, that has a pretty big impact on your return over time. And then you should be rebalancing throughout the whole cycle of um, the market decline uh, so that you buy when prices are lower and you benefit from the sale that goes on during a bear market so that when the market goes back up, it's easier, quicker to make money. You know, we often say that uh, when the stock market sell-off is one of the only sales where people don't want to buy. They're just, as I said earlier, the emotions keep them from buying when there's deals going on. Absolutely. And that's actually one lesson that I've been taking away from you, not just as a work colleague, but also for my own self as an investor, is if you have a plan in place, stick to it too. But of course, that obviously implies that you need to have some kind of plan in motion before the bear market. And that's definitely critical to take into consideration. For sure. And I've spoken you know, many times on how important it is to to be disciplined throughout this whole process. And I thank you for bringing up uh, my book throughout all of this, because I mean, it's the whole uh, sort of premise of why I called my book, The Black Belt Investor, somebody who wants to earn a black belt in karate, which is, which is what I did, has to go through a series of belts and work on a number of steps and, and techniques in order to achieve the black belt. But um, discipline, you have to work on discipline. Um, it's, it's not something that comes automatically. If you don't work on it, uh, you'll never build up discipline. And once you have achieved discipline, you have to keep working on it because it could disappear, right? So I've got another story I'd like to read from my book on discipline, if that's... Uh, that's okay with you? For sure. Okay, so I have many people who I quote on discipline because I think it's a fascinating subject. Um, but getting back to the idea that it's a muscle that has to be worked out and maintained, um, I say uh, uh, in the purple belt chapter of the book, because each chapter is a different colored belt, and the purple belt focuses on discipline. So here's a quote from the book. Discipline, we must appreciate, is an exhaustible quality. Much like a muscle, its strength and maintenance depend on constant black belt training. It starts in the head and is interconnected to willpower, like learning to say no to your feelings and urges and training yourself to do what's right. As Charles Duhigg writes in his book, The Power of Habit, Why, why We Do What We Do in Life and Business, he says, willpower is critical and learnable. However, it can be weakened by exhaustion and reinforced by having precise contingency plans. Studies show that willpower is more of a habit than an innate feature. Thus, being able to withstand temptation and hardship so as to achieve long-term goals is learnable, reinforceable, and unfortunately, reversible if you don't practice it. So I think this is a great quote from Charles Duhigg and his book, The Power of Habit, because it explains 
like building muscles, like getting a black belt, you have to work on discipline. And when we see a bear market um, on the horizon or in the midst of a bear market, we have to keep remembering that it's not time to be emotional. We have to be focused on the long term and that this too shall pass. Well, thanks, Mary. I think we covered a lot of good tips for surviving the bear market. So let's just review and take it from the top. It's basically best to manage your emotions, to have a plan in mind and sticking to it, making sure that you have cash for your short-term expenses, and above all else, to be disciplined. Excellent. You're a great student, Nick. You're on your way to being a black belt, a black belt investor, that is. So I will emphasize the fact that you have to keep working on the discipline. It's a habit that you need to be dedicated to. And because there's going to be more bear markets in the future. And if you want to be a successful investor, you have to be able to accept the fact that that's part of the markets going up over time is that they will correct uh, on their way up. And you have to stay focused and disciplined. Definitely. Yeah, that was great advice, Mary. Definitely enjoyed having this little conversation with you and summarizing all of our little conversations over the years into one neat little package. <laughs> yeah. So I tell you what, I'm not going to let you go away without asking the question that I ask everybody who comes on to the podcast. Uh, I think I know I think what it is. Know, I think you see this coming, right? So Nick, what is your definition of prosperous and happy? The definition of prosperous and happy? Well, that's a very good question. I think if I was to feel like I'm prosperous and happy, I would feel like I would just be, um, in terms of wealth, just having enough to enjoy myself and live comfortably to take care of my family, my, take care of my friends, my loved ones, and just being able to enjoy the little things in life. Nothing too extravagant. Could be like having a nice uh, coffee outside on the patio when the sun is rising, preparing a good meal, having company of the cats. It's a uh, that's all it really takes for me to be prosperous and happy. That's great. And I can already see you with your cats and the barbecue and the pizza and perhaps a little cold drink of sorts with that. You are the, the perfect picture of prosperity and happiness in that, in that setup. And I'm especially grateful to have you on my team to help clients through these difficult times. So... We've come to the end of another episode. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in. And please make sure to subscribe to The Prosperous and Happy Life on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Podcasts. We'll be releasing new episodes the last Friday of every month. And in the meantime, you can follow me on LinkedIn and Facebook at Mary Hagerman. The link is described in the description box below. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast has been prepared by and expressed the opinions of Mary Hagerman and not necessarily the opinions of Raymond James Limited. Statistics, data, and other information presented are from sources RJL believes to be reliable, but their accuracy cannot be guaranteed. This podcast is for information purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchases of securities. Investors considering any investment should consult with their investment advisor to ensure that it is suitable for the investor's circumstances and risk tolerances before making any investment decisions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Information provided in this podcast is general in nature and should not be construed as providing legal accounting and or tax advice. 
Should viewers have any specific questions and or issues in these areas, please consult your legal, tax, and or accounting advisor. RJL is a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund.